1: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin.
2: Welcome back to
1: the one and only Cabs the Podcast, featuring now.
2: Welcome to the first edition of Unscripted Cavs, the podcast, <laughs> where we totally wing it like without any preparation whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of rants, a lot of dad talk, a lot of... Uh, we've, never,
2: we've never wung it before. We're always so meticulously prepared.
1: Wow, this is even more on pages, the wing.
2: Pages and pages of topical discussions.
1: Yeah, and if, if we were half asked before, we are... We are eighth assed now.
2: <laughs> oh man, it sounds like a good weight loss program. <laughs> eighth assed.
1: Well, yeah, that's a <laughs> let's just drop that line of conversation. But yeah, this was a tough CAS loss, uh, uh, annoying day at the five o'clock start. That it is was, a weird start time. Yeah, it was a rough weekend. Um,
2: I mean, Ooh, that loss to the Bulls.
1: I, that hurt. Oh, uh, it was brutal. Um, what were they up? Nineteen towards yeah. the end of the third quarter, and just, I mean, it was, it was just a litany of just terrible decisions. Um, yeah, it it was it was really rough. I mean, they just kept turning the ball over, or what was the stat I read today that? When you are blocked at the rim, the ensuing possession for the other team is an average of one point one four points per shot yeah. uh which is only higher the only thing higher is a live ball turnover okay yeah um which so you're basically it's between a dead ball turnover and a live ball turnover <coughs> of how bad that is for your team, and of course you know the Cavs have the guy that leads the NBA in that category by a wide margin right now in uh, Colin Sexton. Sexton yeah. so.
2: Well, when I was watching the fourth quarter before I turned it off, um, Bayline called a timeout a couple minutes into the fourth. A couple minutes later, he had to call another one because the Cavs just could not score at all. And, mm-hmm. of course, they're not a good defensive team. No. But um, one possession in particular that – I've noticed this throughout the season and obviously like he's a folk hero to me. I literally have a giant fat head of his face staring at me right now in my office. But you know, Delhi has got to develop some kind of like mid range game because he keeps on trying to turn the corner on some of these dribble drives and the defense just sells out knowing he's looking for a pass of some kind. And it was a little different when the cats used to space the floor with, guys that could bomb away from three and so you just couldn't really sell out too much and so those floaters we used to call them the commonwealth connection from uh the Aussie the the Canadian um they just don't work anymore and I was just watching it's like he's got a little bit of space you know he could pull up for 15 feet or he could try a runner or try something he's just forcing passes into traffic and and defenses aren't they're they're not off balance they don't they don't worry about him trying to shoot. No, it's I mean, like... if if he
1: scores, then that they'll live with that. Yeah, you know, watch him make three or four in a row before they ever going to worry about that. And the it's funny a little thing bit is, like
2: flashbacks to Eric Snow, and it's like, ooh. Like... yeah,
1: that's a fair comp. Um, I mean, it's a little bit funny because he's finishing the best he has his entire career around the basket, but he just is hardly ever there. And now when he gets near the basket, he basically gets the guy on his hip and goes up. He's basically a six foot uh, four Tristan Thompson, <laughs> where he just goes up with a little jump. hook. Like if you play on the Cavs, there are two shots you have to have in your game. And that is a floater and a jump hook. Like there's just no doubt in my mind that the Cavs lead the NBA in floaters. Yeah. Um, they just shoot so many, and then the other side of that is they shoot a boatload of jump hooks. Like Larry Nance has a jump hook, Tristan Thompson has a jump hook. Tris, um, Tristan Thompson has a jump hook. Colin Sexton either it's either a floater or a jump hook when he goes inside. If it's not a layup, or he tries to dunk on someone much taller than him. So yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a rough weekend. I mean. Uh today's game they just stunk on ice and that third quarter not only was were the Cavs bad but the officiating was abysmal Kevin Love got called for a flagrant foul when basically Marquise Morris took a shot kind of in transition not moving really fast on a three point line and then literally Kevin Love goes to close out and they called him for undercutting him But Morris took this like five foot stride into the into Kevin Love's foot to fall over and then twisted his ankle and then miraculously was better after it happened. And it was it was the weakest flagrant foul call I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And then, of course, uh, uh, Colin Sexton got grabbed and hit from behind by Morris later, and there was no review um what was it the other one that happened is uh dante exum got smacked by a forearm um in the face no review for a flagrant but they're gonna call that garbage for a flagrant which to me is just utterly ridiculous um this is after the night where the where the nba actually the Replay center took points off the board against the Bulls when Kevin Love got an and one driving from the left corner. And I've never seen this before. He got a continuation on a call on the baseline, and they allowed the two points but disallowed the foul, which I've never seen in my life. Like, how does that even happen? Like, you blow a whistle, and then a guy scores, like, a second later – how can you like even disallow that or reverse uh, that uh, call?
2: So it was utterly ridiculous. And I've got a, I've got an interesting one for you though in that vein. So I took my daughters to a <laughs> University of Dayton Lady Flyers game yesterday.
1: Oh, very nice.
2: And you Are know, the Lady I, Flyers as good as the the Man Flyers. Um, they've both won seven straight actually. Nice. They're not they're not nationally ranked the way UD men is in the top 10 for the first time since like 1969. So that's, that's a kind of a big deal. And they have this guy like Obi Toppin, And mm-hmm. I mean, he's a little raw, but he looks like an NBA player. No, Like a he's
1: draft prospect for
2: sure. Yeah. I his name. He, he looks quick and just his physique and the way he is springy. And it just feels like, you know, okay, if he could kind of put together, you know, a well-rounded game. I mean, he kind of looks like, you know how you can just tell, like, you know, everyone kind of moves around the same way. And then you get that one guy that looks different. That's kind of how he is. But anyway, so we're at the UD lady flyers game and, um, it's late in the fourth quarter and St. Louis makes makes a spirited comeback because, uh, UD had gone up like 12 or 14 in the second half. And, um, I don't know, there's a minute or two left and UD is up three and um, St. Louis is running a play and this, um, you know, girl shoots a three. She's wide open. It's on a pass. She makes it and this small like point guard girl got knocked to the ground trying to set a screen away from the action, right? So there's a, there's a whistle for a foul away from the, the ball, but it really happens simultaneously. So in the NBA, this happens from time to time, and it's an and one. And the person that gets the free throw is the person that was filed, but you still count the bucket. Well, so the girl got two free throws, and she made them both. So it was a five-point play, in a game where scoring was very hard to come by. neither I mean, both teams really shot poorly in the first half. Um, so it was kind of a low-scoring game. And it was like, wait, she gets two free throws? I was really surprised at that. So then after the game, I ran into a, a buddy from work who is um, actually dating a girl that used to play for, for the UD Lady Flyers and actually was drafted in the WNBA a couple years ago. So I was talking to them after the game, and I mentioned that, and he said... He thought only the NBA has that rule where you only get an and one in that situation. He thought in all other levels of basketball, you count the bucket and you get two free throws. So I was like, man, that's weird because I've, you know, I've never seen that before. But five point play, Nate,
1: five point play. Well, that was almost what the Marquis Morris foul was. Uh, it was almost a six point possession because he had the three. He made the free throw and then. They've got the ball back, which is insane. Um, I mean, if I was Beeline, I would have literally challenged the challenge, like just <laughs> out of yeah. spite. Oh my god! Because gosh. he's so bad at challenges anyway, it doesn't yeah. really matter.
2: Well, I read something that all the coaches like don't know what they're doing on challenge. I think no, Zach's it's ridiculous.
1: It like it makes me so mad that they haven't figured this out, and it's it's also part and parcel to. The horrible lack of respect for the game and lack of taking the regular season seriously that basically goes on in the NBA right now, right. um, uh, which today was, you know, Exhibit A for the Cavs not taking the regular season seriously and basically, right. um, dressing ten guys for this game. They had a player who'd scored in double figures the last two games were near double figures and put up a double-double against Memphis in McKinney, who they had cut and then signed to a 10-day contract, was not even on the roster, and they left an empty roster spot rather than have him play this game against the Knicks, and I don't know if that was his choice or the team's choice, but it is basically like we are too concerned that this guy might help us win a game against the Knicks (laughs) who we want to finish behind in the standings so we are going to uh, not dress this guy and of course the Cavs play the Knicks on a after a seven game road trip you know their third their third game in four nights um, and You know, you'd have thought the Cavs had been really pissed off about the basically losing by 20. Chicago game? Possibly the worst team in the league. Yeah, they didn't seem to care. And, no, they were all chipper and not really making a big deal out of it. I mean, Kevin Love gave some advice to Colin Sexton after the game, who I guess was really hard on himself, for jacking up a billion shots. Like, the entire second half was just – I mean, I think both – Clarkson or both Sexton and Garland were like five of 20 on the game. I mean, it was brutal and just throwing up the first shot that came to mind, but Love was fine. So I almost got, I almost feel like, Hey, the team got the memo. It was okay to lose this game. I mean, tanking has become that ridiculous in the NBA. I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, Mark Cuban when he got fined a couple of seasons ago for saying well it's actually better if we lose these games
2: um well i mean incentivize the behavior you want it's as old as time it's just like this isn't that hard but honestly i i look at it and i mean you could blame the team you can blame the organization you can but i mean look at every single person here look at um kobe altman like what is his baked in incentives? Is it to win games? Is it transactions? Is it the future? Is it landing a big free agent? You know, what is he being evaluated based on? Look at some of the Cavs' most important players, Kevin Love. I mean, I I firmly believe Kevin Love, who's got hundreds of millions of dollars, wants to play on a winning team. He's miserable. He's just praying that somehow he can get traded to a contender and simultaneously spontaneously kind of leave Cleveland with uh, not a PR nightmare, right? So right. that's why he, that's why he apologized for acting like a petulant child a couple a week ago or so. Yep. Tristan Thompson, you know who knows, but he's got over a hundred million. He, I mean, again, what is his incentive right now? Is it to just pump up his own stats so that
1: well, he's in a contract, next contract letter, sure. yeah,
2: exactly. So now you look at the rookies. What is their, what is their Incentives right now, so just uh, all across the team, you you throw hundreds of millions of dollars into the mix. Put the fact that you know you had to go all in in the LeBron years, and this is kind of like what happens when you do that. um Dan Gilbert's incentives—he wants to stay out of the repeater tax, right? So, shed salary. He's not going to sign anyone to take on salary unless he can both stay under the repeater tax and get like draft picks so the best offensive player by far the Cavs had this season is jordan clarkson who's gone so it's just it's it's tough i mean it's
1: yeah and and that's my biggest problem with the nba right now is you they're literally incentivized teams to fail and yeah when you're doing that um you're literally cheapening your product across yeah. the board uh We watched. I mean, I've watched officiating over the last week. Officiating is as bad as I've ever seen in the league. This uh replay challenge system is a ridiculous. It it, it looks very bush league the way it's implemented. Um, it's well, here's a question: a horrible hey, p- I'm, I'm, the, the product every time. So, who's the guy that runs HP Basketball? Let me finish this thought. Oh, Matt um, Matt Moore. Matt Moore. Uh, yeah, no, Hardwood Paroxysm. Yeah, isn't that Matt Moore? That I think so, yeah, but he's always it's at HP that? Basketball. So, basically, yeah. he wrote an article, like, saying, well, you know, maybe the NBA just needs to double down on, you know, rather than this being a league about the games, it needs to be a lifestyle and soap opera. Um,
2: <laughs> Interesting and, take.
1: <laughs> and I, like, literally lost like, your mind tweeted it no i like replied i'm like i literally can't tell if this is sarcasm or not and right. and my the lack of response from him um basically makes me think no it was not sarcasm
2: <laughs> yeah he actually he actually blocked me over the china thing He probably blocked uh, me over this too he, he blocked me over the china thing he he's, was like he's raging a out
1: human being who cannot deal with an opinion that yeah. doesn't echo his own Yes, so, he is. He's very
2: thin-skinned, like a lot of NBA he, he, he Twitter is, is. A
1: typical, um,
2: woke, yep, um, beta male. Pump it NBA into my blogger. veins. A huh? pump, pump it into my veins. Preach. A woke beta male
1: NBA she, blogger who preach. can't have a real discussion about anything. You know, I feel like. I mean, that's the one thing. Who has to tell
2: you as a fan how you should feel.
1: Right, exactly. And that's the one thing, at the very least, Barkley pisses me off all the time. But at least Barkley will have a discussion with you, and he'll get into it with you. You know, he's not a guy that's just going to – he basically will never cancel you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because, I mean, if cancer yeah. culture
1: were a thing – 15 years ago, Barkley would probably not have a job right
2: now. <laughs> well, he'll call you a, a knucklehead, but he won't, you know, block yeah. you on Twitter because that's for wieners. But yeah, that,
1: that's, that's right. for little Canadian beta
2: males. Let me ask you a question, <laughs> Nate. <clears throat> so, not uh, name pre- and name. Pres- Sorry. Presumably, yeah, I know you're talking about. Presumably, in the, you know, throughout time, people have been upset at officiating, right? Yeah. But are people less upset in 2020 over officiating across all sports than they were in, I don't know, like the 80s? Because I think people are more upset. I don't think instant replay and HD slow-mo has done anything except make these games longer, potentially break up rhythm. Um, I mean, and I just look back to like the Ohio State game where the call on the field was a fumble, recovered for a touchdown. And everyone was like, they showed it in real time and replay, and people were like, oh, I don't know. And then they showed it in slow-mo, and it was like, oh, yeah, definitely. He took, like, four steps. He had the ball the whole time. As he was pulling it into his chest, the Ohio State DB knocked it out. Very obviously, that's a fumble. And then after making us wait for 10 minutes, they say they're overruling it. And it's like...
1: Well, and and the reason they were overruling it was that, of quote unquote, the way it looked in real time. I'm like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Right. It's like, what? Yeah. It's just unbelievable. We're legislating guys coming off the bag a millimeter on second base on a steal in in the World Series and calling them out. And yet we're over. I mean, some of the calls I've seen overturned on the on the field are just ridiculous and like so much of me right now hates the data science and artificial intelligence and you know analytics mindset that basically says if we have pictures of data and we run analytics against this data we're gonna get the best answers because more often than not you're not asking the right questions you're basically (laughs) what was the greatest quote I read the other day it said if your programming is really hacky and just tries a bunch of different things before it works you're a bad programmer but if you figure out a way to do that really fast you're a data it's, scientist, you're a data scientist and yeah. you can make four <laughs> times as much money so yeah. as much as me hated as much as i hate that it's like how much better would it be if we just figured out a way to replace all officiating with machines But I know that those machines would be just as susceptible to people jerking their head back on fouls as humans would. Right. And and flop culture would would
2: continue. Oh, can we please make the title of this podcast flop culture? Flop culture? (laughs) I love it. I love it. I mean, it's just... Hashtag never trade Andy.
1: Hashtag never trade Andy, but... I mean, we're I'm watching the guy right now, Marcus Smart, the worst flopper in the league. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it just drives me nuts. I mean, the whole, I'm against the Clippers. It it drove me absolutely batty. I mean, the Clippers just just whap at you until they call a foul, and then they basically dare the NBA to, yeah, or dare the rest so to call fouls on out. every play. Yeah, and then when they out get the like half, breathed on, they, they go nuts. yeah. Yeah, like. PBEV gets whiplash and it's like and <laughs> a one reason i've always hated doc rivers teams
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah
1: and doc rivers is the most victimized coach i've ever seen like i've never seen a coach That's play the victim true. consistently. That's not true. Like,
2: compared to steve kerr are you kidding me okay, okay. what was that you're tweet? right you're right get, get her to calm down hire some chinese refs <laughs> <laughs> yes i love it <laughs> yeah. oh, that was a great tweet that was a great but tweet. seriously i mean Officiating hasn't gotten better, in my opinion, and everyone's more upset today. Yeah. So it's like they're not getting every call right. Think about the is it a catch in football? Like just if I, you didn't if you didn't make a sit through 27, you know, slow-mo replays, we just chalk it up to, yeah. Don't let the refs decide the game, you know, because they're gonna make some. They're gonna miss some calls. They're missing them anyway. Like we're getting these after-action reports that are like, "Oh yeah, we made the wrong <laughs> we call." We made ten bad calls in the last. It's like is. at the very least, you could just get rid of this nonsense, so we don't gotta sit through all these long-ass yeah. replays. Yeah, totally. It's, just, it's just the terrible. whole one
1: that I hate was is when you see the the ref. It's the old, I'm going to foul the guy, knock it out of bounds, but really the ref's just going to say, okay, I'm out off. It's out off the other team. Uh, that way we don't have to call a foul and foul this guy out, but it we're still giving that team the ball. Well, now they challenge it, and okay, yeah, they're they're legislating the inch uh, that you touched, the very tip of your finger touching the ball, where it went out of bounds and you know, kind of taking the whole point of the officiating
2: out of it, but well, and they don't do what they say they're going to do. Right. Because what they say generally, and almost all of these things is that the point of instant replay is to deal with kind of like gross misses. So basically they say, they see something along the lines of if it's too close to tell, we don't overrule the call on the field or the call on the court. So just except when they do, they do all the time. They do all the time. So it's like, they're They're spending 20 minutes looking at from every single angle to find like the cell that uh, you know that touched it's like no, literally, there's only a couple of you on the field. so I recognize your vantage points maybe limited. Maybe your sight line was blocked. So like get in that booth, have them queue you up like an instant replay. Watch it, and if in, like, two seconds you can't say, oh, we totally missed it. Look, his foot is obviously out of bounds. I can tell that immediately. Like, everyone on TV is going to be like, holy crap. Just jump out of the booth and overrule it. Instead, they take, like, 45 minutes, and then they overrule it. And it's like it was too close to overrule. Oh, like, yeah. Well, the Ohio video,
1: State one was one of the worst ones that I've was ever one of the seen. Well, and the,
2: of the one the, of the, the, the other Kenny night they Kevin the Love Mauer. and the continuation. What were you saying? When the game won, uh, when LeBron, they called (laughs) it a block, and then it's like we waited ten minutes. They showed it from a million angles. The announcing crews kind of still uh, just uh, as
1: much of a judgment call as it was. Exactly, and And then they overturned it,
2: and that that really decided. I mean, of course, everyone's gonna remember Jarr Smith being an idiot, but if that if they would have kept the call on the court, Cavs win game one, and who knows? Because LeBron was in total beast mode, but. I just can't stand that. It's like you've got you've got all these cameras, you've got all this replay. Fine, then if you feel if someone challenges or you feel like you need to review something, go take a look. And it's got to be obvious if it's like so close. You're you're going to individual frames for like did the ball touch the ground and you called it a catch on the field? Just be like it's a catch, you know, or or just say it's close. We're not overruling it. Like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they're doing well, them the other different. side
1: of that. I will say rather than 30 years ago. I mean, they're literally broadcasting some games in 4K. So the oh, resolution and the frame rates are so much higher than they used to be that you can get so much more fidelity than you got back, uh, you know, in four, in the 480i days. Yeah,
2: but, well, but what I just can't get over is football, especially with this catch stuff. Because it's like, oh yeah, if, if, if it touches your hands for a millisecond, as like your toe... Is somehow on a blade of grass? They just call it a touchdown. They don't really care what happens after that,
1: <laughs> unless but... you roll three
2: times out of bounds and then drop the ball. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they—that's what I'm saying. They don't. They, I'm not on touchdowns on every other play. Oh. So on a touchdown, it's like he crossed the plane, and a second after he crossed the plane. He exploded, and the ball went into the stands. They're like, "We don't care; <laughs> it's a touchdown." Or if they, it doesn't matter if, if he exploded. The ball across <laughs> the plane. If they touch, if he too if he you know <laughs> toe touches, lands, and then a guy knocks the ball out immediately. It's like no, the event that was he got in is all we cared about. He had control when he two. Two toed touched. So we don't care that once he landed, you know, the ball can't cause a fumble and all this nonsense. But then, like, it's in the middle of the field and someone, you know, makes a catch or doesn't make a catch. And they got to spend like 45 minutes trying to make all these judgments around was he making a football play? And did he really have control? (laughs) Did he have control before it looks like a blade of grass may have touched the ball? And did that aid him? And it's all just ridiculous. It's like just. If it's that close, what did you call it on the field? Just go with it. Unless it's like obvious, oh, we blew it. This should take five seconds. I mean, all of us at home within seconds either realize they blew it or, ooh, that's really close. Go number two because you'll have plenty of time to wipe before they solve (laughs) this. Wow. No, I mean it takes forever. It does. Yeah, go get a cup of coffee. And no one's happier about the state of this. No one's like, oh, I'm so glad in general – you know, yeah, sports I, I, my right.
1: life has been enriched because
2: we spent an extra 20 minutes getting this right. You yeah, know. and like, like quote quote watching unquote, that national right. championship game, uh, college, and it's like, uh, I'm going to be up till two in the morning. Like, what, like yeah. what the heck? And the targeting stuff. It's like, I get it, player safety and all that. But I well, mean, you're talking about a guy. Hate. I'm not a football guy. <laughs> well, then, I mean, just 15 just yard penalty, you know, for, but it's like, These players aren't trying to get ejected from the game, you know? And it's like, these are bang, bang plays. Quarterback ducks his head. Oh, well. Oh, the quarterback ones are different than the receiver
1: ones. The quarterback ones are ridiculous. The receiver ones, most of the ones I've seen for receivers have been pretty pretty
2: vicious. Yeah, they're pretty vicious. Yeah. No, but it's like you're trying to make a sack. Yeah. And, you know, you're running as fast as you can, especially in the age of the mobile quarterback where it's like, holy crap, better get this guy quick. And then it's like, ooh, that was kind of a big hit. Let's go to the replay. Ooh, look. Here, his head kind of moves. It's like, yeah, because it's connected to his body. And then targeting, <laughs> ejected. It's like, and then everyone's pissed about that. Like, no one is happy about that. It's just... Well, and then then
1: the game becomes... Then you get the James Hardens of the games where basically, instead of actual players, you just rule lawyers. You know, you're just lawyering the game.
2: Yeah. And it, well, the it, best is when they cut to some... You know, former ref expert back in New York and say, well, Jim, you know, from my vantage point. And then the call is like, not what that guy said. (laughs) I will give the NFL
1: credit, though,
2: over the (laughs) NBA and that the
1: NFL, when you're watching the game. The actual uh, analysis, the announcing, it's actually about the game. Yeah, (laughs) the NBA I have watched so many broadcasts anymore that the last thing they are talking about is the game. And it's like like I get right now there's a 27 point blowout, Boston's beating LA. But, you know, talk about these young players, talk about what the Cavs could be doing better. Like I feel like the people that broadcast the game and the announcers, especially the ESPN crew, they're not advocates for the game. They are not yeah. advocates for making the game oh, better. Like well, all they the do NBA, is trash
2: every oh, game. Oh, the NBA is the worst. Oh, they that's what I'm saying. Like if you, trash. yeah,
1: if you talked on us on at halftime or in the booth the way that they do in the NBA, in the NFL, you would be fired inside of two games. Like you would oh, get yeah. away with it once, and the next game is Roger Goodell would be on the phone with the the head of ESPN. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It, it's ridiculous that they get away with that in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, well, unless it's, it's I mean, about China, about, unless they're a, talking about
2: China, a lot and of it's it, like, eh, eh, cut the mic, cut the mic. Yeah. Yeah. But think about it though, because you know, you're right because I, you know what I don't see in the NFL. I don't see all these, and maybe I just don't watch enough of the shows, but I don't see current quarterbacks, Tony Romo or um former quarterbacks, you know, Tony Romo. He's kind of recent, uh, Terry Bradshaw. I don't see a lot of these former quarterbacks trashing, the eye-popping stats that modern quarterbacks put up, like, oh, yeah, well, his quarterback rating is way better than mine because, well, the rules suck today, and quarterbacks are all wusses and they're all protected. Like, I don't hear that that very much relative to any time you listen to NBA games. Oh, yeah. They insist on having former players as part of these things. They just cannot stand modern players. I mean, they just think they're all soft. They can't stand the team hopping they can't stand the insane money these guys yeah, make.
1: Yeah, they can't stand this team hopping, but yet when the game is on, all anybody talks about, when Giannis is playing, all anybody talks about is when, go. when he's going to go to New York or L.A.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just. Yeah. No, but you're right. It's like current players, players that were in the 90s, especially like in the Jordan era, they just think that all, they, they think Kobe was like the last yeah. What, they uh, actually respected, and everyone else is just garbage.
1: Yeah, well, and I hate all the former Celtics. Like, Paul Pierce, just shoot him into the sun. Yeah. Kevin Garnett, <laughs> when he's not... um, Kevin Garnett Isn't he, is so like, ridiculous. not he in
2: a movie now or something? Huh? Isn't he in a movie now?
1: Yeah, he's in uh, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Supposedly, he's really good, but it I've heard it's a very stressful movie to watch so i i won't be watching it it's not a comedy it no it's not it's a drama about a jeweler slash gambling addict um played by adam sandler and he he wanted uh there was a he got a lot of nominations for different awards but not by the academy so he didn't get any oscars so there was a little bit of uh a little bit of sour grapes there but supposedly Kevin Garnett's very good in it so uh i i don't know i may watch it my wife's a huge Adam Sandler fan so i'll probably watch it at some point um but but we'll see i mean i had an interesting weekend um so i did not watch the grizz game or the bulls game i watched a little bit of the bulls game till today but i went and spent the weekend in cleveland Um, my, so we kind of have a yearly tradition that we've done either on new year's Eve or MLK weekend with my cousins and we go rent an Airbnb somewhere and we, uh, go basically eat and drink and play board games for, for a long weekend. And that's what we did this weekend. And we hit, so we stayed in Ohio city and we hit a, just an unbelievable collection of, restaurants and bars and probably spent way too much money um and i am probably going to have to you know take extra statins for my cholesterol (laughs) going forward (laughs) um but yeah it it was pretty crazy weekend so when we get to things to pitch I'll, i'll go into that so i it was really nice to and one of the great benefits of that is to realize, oh, my God, how much time have I been wasting on social media yep. and, you know, the little Skinner box in your hand and <laughs> uh, have kind of disconnected from that for three, four days. And, and I bet it feels... Marvelous. It does feel marvelous, and then I go, "Why do I care about all this stuff so much?" You know, when I'm not here, and then you you slowly get back into it. Yeah. So I'm 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 trying to not be that guy, and you know, it did cause a little motivation crisis today. Um, (laughs) trying to you know, I got a little recap up of the first two games, and then I'm like, Oh, do I really want a podcast?" And it's been a tough season. It's been a
2: tough go this year. It has um, been a tough I mean, It's hard to get excited. I mean, I I see some talent with Garland. You know, Sexton, I just like him, but I, I recognize he has a lot of holes in his game. But after that, it's kind of like, what do we have with this team? And what's the future going to look like? I don't and, know. I like Larry Nance. I um, like Larry Nance, yeah. But I, he is who he is. You know no, what I mean? He is who he is. Like, and we keep hoping he's okay. He's kind of hitting that prime. No, it's the he's the same player he's been yeah. for, like, three years. Yeah, and... He's, he he's a bench player at this yeah. point. I, I like Tristan a solid, Thompson. A solid bench player.
1: Tristan Thompson is a good starter on a playoff team.
2: But Tristan needs to be traded because he's actually playing pretty well and he, he can is, help but he can help teams. He
1: can only help certain teams like he does not play well against big centers anymore because he doesn't have the athleticism he used to. He puts the ball on the floor and turns it over too much. His stats are way inflated because he has far more usage than he probably should have. Um and the other funny thing is, they talk about how many offensive rebounds he gets. Well, yeah, when your team shoots thirty four percent, you are gonna not, yeah. you are gonna get a lot of offensive rebounds. I mean, part of that is just an indictment of how bad the Cavs' offense is, more than how good Tristan Thompson is. I yeah, mean, that's
2: fair. But at the same time, I mean, he's had a lot of seasons where he was not good no, in the yeah, regular he season was and objectively then the- bad. Oh, and then in the playoffs, he had value. So,
1: yeah, or just had two or three like, "Whoa, where the hell did that come from?" Games,
2: yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, hopefully, his, he's his still got Cavalier that. resume is secure. Yeah, hopefully, sure. he's got some of that playoff stink on him, and he can, yeah. he can. The cast been cap. A Cav for
1: nine years now, isn't that? That's just crazy
2: to think about.
1: Nine or ten, it might even be ten. No, I think it's nine. It's nine years. <laughs> yeah, this is ninth season, which is crazy. I mean, that, that's just insane. Yeah. Um, but I, from everything I've read, is if Tristan goes, the team's going to fall apart because he is the leader. Uh, <laughs> and everybody looks up to him. And mm. I just don't think Larry Nance is that guy. And Kevin Love is, you know, halfway checked out. And yeah. Deli probably a, a leader, but not a guy that's good enough on the court that you're going to take him that seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think Delhi probably has one or two more years left in the league, and it's probably as an end of bench guy. And then he's uh, Europe bound, Europe or back to Australia. Australia yeah. league is pretty solid right now. Uh, Simo told us there's a uh, there <laughs> one of the um, not the Zeller brothers. What are the other brothers? The Plumley. One of the Plumleys is oh. in Australia right now, in Perth right now. So. Oh, okay, nice. Um, but so yeah, I mean, you can go back to there but uh, yeah i had a hard time getting up for for recapping today and recapping in general had a lot of people bailing this year um on and not bailing it's just everybody gets older we got jobs yeah we're all older hard to, hard to get it done and it's hard to like okay what is my motivation for doing this like i love the writing writing is its own reward but I have a buddy who's a, was a prep writer for years for high school sports and he finally just like okay I can't do this anymore and became he had turned down becoming the managing editor of his paper like 3 or 4 times and finally he's like okay I yeah. if I write one more article about a high school hockey game in mid February <laughs> or you know another signing press conference for a college I might lose my mind so yeah I I got to make a change so yeah I'm, I'm feeling that a little bit. Um, we just, and it's also like, okay, when do, when do I, when do I write my novel, Tom? Or when do I go to grad school? I don't know. It, it, you're a younger guy than me.
2: Not do, by that do you, much. Do you
1: have that, do you have that midlife crisis ever? Like, is this what I should be doing for the rest of my life? Cause I haven't just been feeling that with, um, it, it's not just, the blog, it's also work, but it's also it's also work. Like, you know, how long are my skills going to be relevant in this field, or how long um, before I'm just a fuddy-duddy who's been doing yeah. it for too long?
2: Well, part of it is <clears throat> your options are your options are limited when you have when you have you know kids you're still providing for. So, absolutely, you can't really open Unless up. You your, have a rich wife, yeah, right. You can't really open up your aperture for, I don't know, another eight to 10 years probably. (laughs) So I think the key is not to at any moment have a crisis, just always be thinking like, if I wanted to be here, do this five years from now, what basic steps do I have to take now? Because I think what usually hurts people is they get to a point where now the timing is right, or maybe an opportunity comes along, or uh, maybe they, they have a midlife
1: been setting themselves up for that opportunity.
2: They're, well, it's yeah. Or they're just they can't they can't do it. Like, so if you think, oh, man, data science. Yeah, I could just I could see in five years with my background in network I.T. I know a couple <laughs> software developers. <laughs> I could create a cool little consulting company, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, yeah, but you don't just one day wake up and do that. So yeah. while you still have a job, while you're getting paid, while you're putting your kids through school, you know, just start asking around just talk to people read a couple books just don't no, do it with a the book i haven't read a novel since i graduated okay, no, then I'm grab kidding. an audiobook no but i'm just, kidding you're absolutely right but i think it's just good to not find not be in a position where some kind of black swan event can sink you or oh you can, absolutely you, you Op- can't, optionality as david griffin would say yeah you can't take you can't take a chance on an opportunity um that you could have seen come. It's one thing if it's just like, well, I mean, how the heck, you know, how, how's I supposed to see this coming? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, but if you can project forward a little bit and know what you're interested in and think, yeah, I might like to do that, then if there's any thing, knowledge you can start attaining or relationships you can start forming or whatever, you know, do it, do it a couple, you know, I think three to five years ahead of time so that...
1: Uh, I know, but it's I, so hard because like i totally respect yet am terrified by people who go in and do the arts like i would love i don't know if i have the chops anymore i think maybe at one time i might have but like to be a novelist or to write a screenplay or and and we've had people like literally that have been associated with Cavs a blog that have done that and and i don't always know what kind of success they have now, but I totally respect people that work in entertainment and the arts because that is such a feast or famine business. And for many people it's famine. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would love to be able to do that. Like I went to the rock hall Thursday and I was like, man, this makes me want to get back into making music again. And it's like, oh yeah, that doesn't pay anything. It's a huge time suck. And it's probably going to go nowhere. Right. <laughs> it's like, and, and, But also, that's such a defeatist attitude, too. Like, it's and I get into this with my wife too, because it's like I I want to be doing things, but it's also, well, it's so hard when you have a nine to five, especially when you have a nine to five when you're like on call a lot or you have a lot of responsibilities outside of, you know, normal business hours, and and plus you have kids, like when and you are gonna be so into it with. Uh, your kids when they get older and you are the perma taxi oh my gosh yeah yeah i mean you're starting to get a taste of it now um but it just gets worse like as your kids get into more and more activities and you know you have more school stuff like we literally like set out a schedule at the be and i only have two kids and we set out a schedule at the beginning of the week of all the different things are going on and when we have to be where and who's picking up whom, when, and all this stuff. And it just, mm. it's like, I don't know how people do it. And I don't know how people do that and also be successful. Like, I feel like one person in the relationship, if you, if you have a, a blended, or if you have a, you know, a two person family, I don't know how a single person ever does it, but like, how do you ever do that? And also, you know, find time to do the things that make you happy or maybe, are those things that make you happy uh, just m- you complaining about crap you don't have because you're a whiner? <laughs> because you're a whiner Gen Xer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's rough.
2: It's hot out here, full pimp. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> I think that um, I'm at the point now where, you know, um, what did they say? The, the, what it was the sign posted outside of uh, the Roman court? The magistrate. Will not be trifled. Um, so you get to a certain point, and you have so many obligations, and you have to maintain a standard. Like this podcast, we can just rant, you know. Hell, I mean, I'm impressed. We've never really taken a dime of money, and the editorial standard <laughs> not ever
1: that, really. We have never.
2: Well, right. Well, okay, since we, we've owned it. I mean, well, I think John. John, it, yeah.
1: John. made some money from ESPN. He did. And, and i i don't begrudge him that at all no no but um but anyway and like, now wodge is making all that money
2: oh the snake snake in the grass <laughs> wodge gosh but you know i'm thinking like when you when you're a professional part of that means you have to bring bring it every day it, it, to some extent you got to you got to show up on time you got to be well dressed you can't smell you can't be you like,
1: can't smell. like you, and this can't is the bare like, minimum.
2: You can't be like a total jerk to your coworkers. Yeah, you know, there's a, a semblance of propriety. Propriety you got to bring to any profession, or else you run the risk of getting fired. And well,
1: and also, it is you are doing the people that you count on a disservice. You're, you're right. abusing their time and wasting their time and effort.
2: Yeah. So what you know today's current kind of knowledge focused economy in America. You know, you're, you're judged on so many things and it, it, it it's not necessarily it's like harder work, but it just, you gotta be cognizant of so much. And so you fulfill your obligations, you do your job, you bring home a paycheck, you've got a family, you know, you say hi, talk to the kids, how was your day? Talk to the wife, eat dinner, you know, help with whatever you help with, do the dishes. And now it's like nine o'clock. If you're going to have something else, you're going to have to just be so freaking passionate about that. Because if it's kind of like. Not value sleep. (laughs) Right. Because (laughs) if it's hard, getting your mind to be able to do any kind of deep focus or, or work. Yeah. After you've already put in a day, I mean, something's got to give. So either you don't sleep, which is not good for your long-term no, health. No,
1: and nor is it long-term sustainable.
2: It's not sustainable. Or you just – you become totally absent from your family, which I think most people, that's probably they, – they take some combination of both because you just yeah. can't go down to, like, 50% at work. Or over time, they'll just – they'll be like, hey, thanks, but, you know, time to move on from you. Yeah. So, I know people that have all kinds of like side hustles and, you know, and I see how, you know, what, where they give to make that work. But one thing they have in common, the ones that are successful is that they really are totally passionate about it. They're, you yeah. know, it's not something where it's like, Ooh, that might be cool. And it's like, yeah, but so like for you thinking about, uh, becoming a writer, I would say all kinds of people that aren't, Professional writers write books and what they do is they write about something else that they know about. And it's just kind of like, like people will write children's books about bald eagles. And it's like, well, I'm a bald eagle photographer. That's my hobby. <laughs> so I wrote a children's book about it and I sold 300 copies and now I'm an author and I have a ISBN number or whatever the heck. And it's like, cool. And that's how you kind of whet your appetite and you're probably yeah. going to spend your own money to get it published and it's not going to be a career, but you can do it. But the key is don't go into it thinking like I'm going to write a novel because 99 times out of a hundred, you're probably going to fail. But if you go in and say, Ooh, I have this interesting kind of hobby or I have this interest and I'll read about it and I'll dig into it. And then you just decide, I want to share this with the world. So I'll write a blog post or a, a, a book or whatever and that's that's the point. The point is, I just want to share this with people, and you can do that. There's avenues to do that. If you're thinking really big and you're like, "I'm going to become an author," something is it's going to be too hard, or something's going to trip you up. Uh, unless literally it just it it takes hold of your mind every waking hour of your day and you're dreaming about it. I would say, don't or do something small or get. Get everything else in order to the point where you could say, I don't need to make any money doing this. I don't need to have any fame doing this. If you want to start a YouTube channel, don't do it because you want to get a million subscribers. I mean, look at our blog. Like we've been doing this for over 10 years. We've been blogging about the calves with almost daily content for 10 years. We've had, we've been credentialed. We've had really, really solid writers write for us. We've done an outstanding job and like our popularity basically plateaued during the LeBron years and it never got any bigger. We didn't try to market ourselves when we saw like the Cavs nations of the world realizing that it was like the vinification of the NBA and clickbait titles that was going to draw traffic. We were like, nah, when we had an opportunity to seek corporate sponsorship E.G was like, "Hell no, I'm out if you do that And we were like, "Well, we don't want you to leave, so we won't do that. And you know it's just like we did, we, we've never done it for money or fame or whatever, and that's why it remains pure and unadulterated, <laughs> as I said. So you well, got to think you, about
1: you know, I, you've heard my quote is you know what the secret to life is. No, what is it? It's you know, find what you love and do it for the rest of your life. Or that's the secret to happiness. Find what you love and do it for the rest of your life on nights and weekends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. so I mean, that's definitely it, but it, it's still like, it yeah, and you have to pick one thing because you don't have time for three things. You've got to have one thing you're super passionate about, and that's probably it. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably nothing else.
2: The other thing is when you get to our stage in life, you know, people don't really tolerate like amateurs. So, you know, oh, I'm going to do a total career change. You know, I've been a network IT person my whole life. Well, I'm going to go be a, I don't know, give me some, I'm going to go be a biologist for the zoo. Okay, well. Here's I'm gonna $10. go be a marine biologist. Yeah, George hey, Costanza. Here's ten dollars an hour. You know, I'm not what I was making. Well, well, we don't care because you don't have any of these skills, right? So, if you really like stuff like that, you just make it a hobby and pursue it that way, or just spend a lot of time being real creative about about a plan, and then. Just start along the path. Try to execute it as much as you can, and just see what happens. But I would definitely be weary of the, you know, the midlife crisis mood swings where you're like, because a lot of times, in in a weird way, it's you're just romanticizing something. Like, oh, I could have been in a band. It's like, oh, maybe, but (laughs) maybe not. You're such a realist, Tom. I know. I'm like the oldest. 35 year old ever just like i was the oldest 25 year old ever nate when i was in eighth grade all the clicks were you know coordinating to see who would get in the yearbook like most likely to whatever or best whatever i literally negotiated and pined with my peers to get most realistic in eighth grade <laughs> I, I, that's a true story i wanted that title i
1: that's, wanted, that is the subtitle
2: most i wanted realistic. i wanted that title and if i can find it i will find it and i will take a, a picture of it and send it to oh you my because gosh. and see, is absolutely me, not i'm a total, I am not lying i am a total romantic <laughs> Well, I'm a romantic too, and so the 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 realist is You're kind a of a realist romantic. Well, it's like a bipolar offset, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of the people have those. You know, it's like you recognize something about yourself, and so then you just make sure you've got got this sort of scaffolding in place to make sure like that doesn't sink you or you don't fall or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I'm very romantic about people I kind of give everyone the benefit of the doubt even if I have no reason to and past events like every every friend I ever had or every like girl other than like two that I ever dated was like oh they were really actually great and then it's like no that that was awful like it was not (laughs) great you know it's like my memory is just like the happiness and not all the you know all the crap so no I get that for sure Um, and and, I, I have those thoughts too like I still have those thoughts like 'Cause when you're a kid, your mind, I think, especially in, in America, you sort of get trained to think about opportunity and to picture yourself. You get told like you could be a this, you could be a that. Literally we drill that into children. You could be this, you could be a basketball you player. Can you can be
1: anything you want. You be.
2: could be an astronaut. And it's not bad, but the point is you get into these not you get into these thought process habits where what you do is you place yourself in a position of someone else so you think about like oh if I was on the basketball court I wouldn't have made that pass you know over Tristan's head because and then but it's like what you don't realize is it's like but you would never be there ever like you would never be there so why are you even thinking about this (laughs) or like oh if I was an astronaut like I would have turned that knob it's like no because like come on like you know you probably aren't going to be the astronaut or if i would have gone to the moon here's what i would have done it's like <laughs> no well, you would have done exactly what they told you to and, and,
1: and only if you didn't do exactly what they told you to you wouldn't have been going to the moon <laughs>
2: like 12 people in the history of the billions of humans have set foot on the moon so yeah. chances are you know you won't But
1: right? i'll say the other side of this is that You know, the reason that sports are so accessible and people follow them is because they are literally not rocket science. Um, You know, you don't have to be a genius to coach basketball. I mean, they try to make you think you have to be a genius, but you do not. All you literally have to be good at to be a good basketball coach is say, hey, Steph, go shoot a three. <laughs>
2: you know, the, it is the get players. a stop get yeah. a stop
1: here and we got this <laughs> i mean and it it amazes me the people like who basically gotten to where they are in life why the doing the things that you talked about earlier showing up on time um you, you know the brick tamlins of the world i am extremely i i am Never late.
2: (laughs) Extremely okay employee.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Who have gotten where they are in life by showing up on time, being nice to people, and networking. And then you know how many basketball or football coaches have have done that, or just being in the right place at the right time. Mike Brown.
2: Mike Brown. Uh, Everyone liked him. He was a nice guy. He wasn't a jerk. He was good. He was good in film study. Everyone said that. It's like, man, this guy was great. And it's like he landed all these head coaching jobs from that
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: But but at the same time, I think, you know, my larger point is I still think that way. I I watch pro athletes today. and, And, and for a moment I place myself in their situation and think about what I would do. And then it's just kind of like, it's, I guess maybe it's fun, but it's like, or anything or, um, you watch, you watch videos of, of anything exciting or, or someone's doing something heroic and you think like, oh yeah, could you imagine? And it's like, well, that's never going to happen because to get to that point, I got to like hit the reset button and go back to age like, you know, 18 and probably do some things differently, choose a different path. So I mean, to me, it's like just think, look ahead, right? Think to like, what do you like to do? What do you want to do? What are you good at? Try to align those as best as you can. You may not be able to, but, you know, definitely don't, don't, uh, you know, I, I mean, people that get all on these hype trains, like, oh my gosh, Nate, I almost did it with um, cryptocurrency. <laughs> I almost did it. I was really close. Actually, uh... it was a little bit of laziness can really help a lot of people. So I was oh, just yes, a little bit I know too lazy.
1: No, I wish that I had done some things very different, so, and I'll, I'll tell you off the air. Sometimes <laughs> some no, words, sometimes
2: but... no decision is, the, is best the best decision. decision absolutely. And so okay, so let me set the stage. So it's 2017. Um, you know other than you know Bitcoin has already crashed, so people are like laughing and haha Bitcoin. Well, it's early 2017, Ethereum comes online. And in January, you know, it's so easy to mine Ethereum and it's trading for, a you know, dollars or something like that. By May, it has gone all the way up to like $150, you know, per unit. And I'm just and I know people at work. That basically, because of the election, they were like, "Well, you know, we're not convinced Trump's not going to ruin like the world economy. So we need backup plans, so we're mining a bunch of cryptocurrency. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it's the craziest scheme ever. Well, I mean, it was a hedge. It wasn't like yeah. they were quitting their jobs. It was like a hedge against basically the 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 US dollar. So they mined all this Ethereum. And I'm just I don't know how much they actually did, but I'm just sitting here thinking like, oh my gosh, it's May it's trading at like 150 or it's evaluated at this 150 us dollars per thing. If they were mining this back when it was dollars and they've got thousands of these, I mean, I'm just like, they have an eye popping. Like they may have hundreds of thousands of dollars in this at this point. I don't know. Maybe at least 50. Like, I don't even know. So at this point I decided to get into it because I think, you know what? This at least has some adjacent, you know, um, factors that I'm interested in. I've always been interested in building PCs. I've always been at the forefront of like graphics card technologies. I was like, this could be fun. I'm going to build a rig with a bunch of graphics cards. It'll be at the very least fun. And if I lose money, You're whatever, I'll have fun doing it. So I okay. dropped $1,300 into this rig in May of 2017, right before, um, basically the, the, the giant graphics card I don't even want to call it a crash. It was just there was no supply. Everyone bought them all out because yeah. everyone got on this hype train. Like
1: you could literally make more money.
2: I could have if I would have turned around a month <laughs> later sold that, and yeah. sold them all individually, I would have made like three or four grand because I I got them because Best Buy had a had an agreement to sell them for a specific amount. I bought like three when they were basically saying per person limit three two days later they were sold out so i was like oh shoot but yeah like days later they're going on ebay for hundreds of dollars more than they cost so i was like okay i mined for a year and a half straight um on late december early january of 2018 my wallet showed like 7500 dollars that i had mined and I thought like, man, that that's not a bad investment. Like I dropped 1300 and now I'm at 7500 a year and a half later. That's pretty good. And all the articles were coming out about how, you know, Bitcoin, one Bitcoin was going to be worth a million dollars and one ETH was, you know, mark my words and one ETH is going to be worth blah and all this stuff. And I just, I created a Coinbase account, which is a very complicated process. Like you got to do all this authentication for the irs i think the irs just set up shop in new york city right next to coinbase because it got all of it like overnight it got so stringent how you did everything i did all this stuff i created an account and i was ready but it took me like a month to create this account a couple false starts where i was like oh i don't have all this info oh i don't have like a flawless image of my driver's license oh blah blah." blah. and so finally i finally got the coinbase account like situated, and I was thinking about dropping ten grand, which for me is totally insane because I don't spend money on big purchases like hardly ever, other than like houses, right? And,
1: so, and but maybe
2: I, an automobile. <laughs> yeah, I bought one, I bought a Honda Accord eleven years ago, and I financed it, but I don't I don't drop big money other than when I buy a roof for eleven thousand dollars in cash. I told that story right about what all the the lady. Yeah, oh yeah with the hundreds and like talking really loud. Oh my gosh. But the the the, the gutter bot <clears> 3000. <throat> no, no, no. This was at the bank. Oh, I didn't no, tell you about you did not about... tell
1: this story. Oh, we hear okay. This. That's
2: okay. That's <laughs> nice. But um so anyway, I literally almost dropped 10 grand and if I had done that, I would have basically pissed away 9 grand because <laughs> in the ensuing time since then, all of that gain from about May of 2017 has come, it's crashed completely back. It's actually gone a little low. So today, in fact, I'll do it right now, Nate. I'll just, let me open up my wallet here and tell you how much money I have. Hot clicking action. I uh, I'll get you here. But again, in 2017, I dropped... <laughs> and as 13- you
1: speak, Mike Brown and Steve Kerr are on my screen.
2: <laughs> nice. Okay, so what did I say? I said I spent $1,300 in May of 2017 for a rig. I mined for over a year and a half. The rig's been off for a couple months. My current wallet is 1,214 US dollars. So I am minus $90 after basically probably emitting enough carbon dioxide to definitely piss off some environmental activists.
1: Well, and you probably are not factoring in how much you spent on power not
2: so yeah i lost i lost a lot more exactly well, it was
1: so funny because there was a point in the cloud industry uh, where the estimate was like two-fifths of all computing power in the u.s was it, it was some enormous number it was like the yeah. amount of it was like the percentage of streaming on netflix that is the office like 40 percent that yeah. was how much people were using for mining cryptocurrency. And, and I had some kind of quote that basically said, um, you know, in the future, people are going to be dumbfounded of how much weight resources we wasted to yeah. solve obscure math factoring problems.
2: Right. Which I mean, I wouldn't even, I mean, you made it sound kind of like cool. It, it, it it's just a giant waste because a lot yeah. of these crypto are 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 literally set up intentionally to just be computationally difficult yeah. just to limit the supply. It, you're, right. you're not, well and you're not learning yeah. anything that like future generations can take advantage of. It, no, it's, it's it's a total just, um, dig well, a hole anything area.
1: When, when uh, quantum comes out, it's all gonna be irrelevant anyway. <laughs>
2: yeah maybe. <laughs>
1: Well, anyway, I mean, it'll be right. replaced by quantum cryptography, and you'll have quantum cryptocurrency. But so do what I need you have segue- now will be worthless. Do I need to segue to my my roof roofing story? <laughs> okay, like I'm feeling like how can we like relate this back to basketball? But I think we've told the uh, thoughts. So okay, what's the roofing story?
2: So I needed a new roof. I had a couple of different companies come when out and give me this? estimates.
1: So give us. A uh,
2: oh, this was 2018, oh, okay. a year so before.
1: This, the is, year... this didn't have to do with your uh, debt collapsing this summer.
2: No, it did not. That before was my balcony. Fall, I guess collapsed. Yeah, yeah. With okay. me on a ladder on it. Yeah. So 2018. You know, it's been two years now where we're getting a leak in the plaster. So it's like, okay, that means the roof's leaking. I got boats. They were all around 7,000. And, um, I met this guy at like a daddy daughter dance or something. And he was a general contractor trying to get kind of his business off the ground. So he's like, Oh, you know, I'll give you a good deal or whatever. And he's a nice guy. I'm not saying he didn't get me a good deal. But, um, <clears throat> so.
1: I don't like where this story's going already.
2: Well, it's <laughs> not really about the quality of the roof. I think the roof's probably okay. But I got a new roof. Um, well, basically, they started taking off the shingles, and...
1: Oh, I do remember you telling me something about this, okay. Yeah,
2: like, all the decking was, like, warped. It was all yeah. wet, so they were like, oh, Basically,
1: boss. everything that was going on with your deck this last summer that caused it to collapse was going on with your roof before that.
2: They were right? like, we're going to... Like, yeah, they're like, we're going to have to replace pretty much all the decking, or almost all of it. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> how much is that going to cost? So it went up to, like... From seven grand to eleven grand, so I was like, "Oof," you know. But whatever. What am I going to do at that point? My deck's like half taken apart. You know, they got to hurry up and put it back together. So they finished the roof, and um, so the guy was hoping to be paid in cash, right? I mean, right? Tax, whatever. So I was like. Well, okay, I mean, I guess I could pay you in cash um, (laughs) as opposed to something else. He's like, oh, you know, I mean, whatever you want, but that'd be like, you know, that'd do me a real solid. So I was like, well, I guess I got to go to the bank and take out $11,000 in cash. (laughs) And
1: I don't think it seems like a
2: bad idea. I've never had more than, I don't know, 200 bucks in my wallet in cash before. (laughs) I've had large checks made out to me. But I've never had just like gobs and gobs of hundreds. You know, I don't yeah. go to casinos or strip clubs. That's not or the world like you live in. No, not at all. Not at all.
1: You don't deal in envelopes of cash. No, which I don't. It's probably for the
2: best. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I do not deal in envelopes of cash. So I go to the bank and I'm really kind of nervous. Like, what am I going to do about all this? So I'm like, I mean, I'm going to literally ask them, and all they've got is hundreds, right? So, man, there's going to be like this giant wad of hundreds. And I was like, well, you know, hopefully they can be kind of discreet about it or whatever. So I go to my bank and I get in line and you know there's always <laughs> these really like chipper kind of young people wearing you know, wearing uh golf shirts that are you know that your bank tellers or whatever. And it's of course this real fancy hip layout or whatever. It's all open, right? There's no literally no privacy whatsoever. So I walk over to this sort of like open kiosk and the girl's like hi how can i help you today you know and i was like well you know i need to i need to withdraw a lot of money and (laughs) my 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 voice is like cracking i'm nervous i don't know what to say And she's like okay i can help you with that how much would you like to withdraw (laughs) and i'm like i'm like saying under my breath and literally i had like a frog in my throat when i said it i was like oh oh, i was like eleven thousand dollars and she looks at me and her, her eyes kind of like popped and she's like, eleven thousand dollars? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> like, did you have to repeat it back louder to me? And so she looks at me and she's like, Oh, okay. You know, and she's like, Um, one second, please. And then she like asks, you know, the team manager or whatever that looks five years older than her. He's probably twenty-eight or whatever, and she's like, Josh. This gentleman wants to withdraw $11,000. <laughs> <000. laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, can, you, can you say it softer? And then, um, and then he's like, well, like, what account is it from? You know, and she's like, sir, what account would you like to withdraw this from? And I was like, savings and she's like she goes she just turns back to him even though he can hear me because he's five <laughs> feet away from you and she's like savings she's <laughs> like sigourney like, weaver in galaxy yeah. quest yeah exactly <laughs> yes oh i love galaxy quest but anyway he's like yeah that's fine there's no withdrawal there's no daily withdrawal limit on like savings account or whatever i guess if i had a money or i don't know there are other accounts where i can't illiquidate so much at once so then she's like okay we're good to go and then she looks at me, and she's like, huh? And she's like, you know, maybe we should do this like in the back room. And I look at her, and I'm like, oh, finally. I'm like, yes, that is a great idea. She's like, let me ask Josh, who again is standing right there.
0: She's like,
2: <laughs> should we go in the back room to do this? And he goes no, it's fine. The machine right there can print it all out. And she looks at me, and she's like, great news! This, <laughs> this machine can print out all 11,000! And I'm just like, oh my god. So now I'm looking around at the people behind me, like, because anyone pay oh, attention to there it's... are people behind you in line? Oh, oh there's like 10 other people behind oh, me! Yeah, god. there's tons of people! So I'm like, okay, am I going to get mugged? Now, granted, I'm in Beaver Creek, Ohio, which has had, <laughs> like, like, two crimes in the last 100 years, but or you know, violent crimes, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know. So sure enough, this machine starts printing hundreds and it is really loud. And it's like, Zoom, zoon, 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 zoon. it's not and printing it, them, it's sorting them. Right. It's shooting them out. <laughs> it's not printing them. But it's it's very loud and it's like it's just going forever. It's like it felt like an eternity. This thing is just shoving hundreds out. I had brought my laptop um, like a uh, soft case because I wanted to take the money and I wanted to put it in an envelope <laughs> and then I wanted to put it in that thing and close the zipper and stick it under my, you know, my shoulder and treat it like a football. And it's, you know, all I can do is not fumble. That's my only job. So finally, she's got all this money, this giant stack. And she decides that she needs to count it out for me, which is fine, but she's counting it out loud, 100, 200, like, literally, and I'm sitting here for, like, I'm like, this is never going to end, and she gets all the way to 11,000, and she looks at me, and she's, like, just about to, like, hand me this giant wad of bills, which I guess is probably normal, but I hold hold open an envelope, and I'm like, can you put it in here, please? And she looks at me kind of funny, and she's like, oh, okay. And so she puts it in the envelope, and then I give her the envelope, I've never touched the cash. I hold open the laptop case. and I'm like, now can you put it in here, please? And she cool. looks at me and she's like, okay. And she puts them there and then I close it up and I'm like, okay, thanks. And I just like walked out <laughs> of there as fast as I can. I probably seemed like some kind of criminal that didn't want to get my prints on the money or something. I don't even know. It was the most awkward thing ever. I literally went home and I spent 10 minutes finding a hiding place that even my wife wouldn't be able to, find because i had weird visions that she would accidentally like tell someone i don't even know but i hit it in like the most hard to reach place ever it took me like 20 minutes to extract it from where i hit it it was so like crazily hidden. what was paying the guy like i mean it wasn't that big of a deal he
1: came came obviously did not have the same compunctions that you did
2: (laughs) no he didn't know at all he came over and he even at that point was like, you know, however you want to pay, you know. And I was like, well, no, no, I'm paying you in cash. Like I went, <laughs> like
1: brought- in, this deal is already done.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I go extract the envelope and I bring it out to him, and I just like, I was like, do you want me to count it out here? He's like, no, nah, man, I'm sure it's fine. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like this guy is so like low key. And here I'm holding more, like, way more money than I've ever held in my entire life, and it was, it was kind of ridiculous. And all I kept thinking was, I wonder how much more rational, like our financial decisions would be day to day consumer finance, if everything was like dollar bills versus like I have a credit card. It's just it's just kind of fungible, you know. It's just like it's not real because holding that eleven thousand dollars, I was ready to die for that eleven thousand dollars, you know. And if I had just like written a check or like you know. I don't know. Bought some with a credit card. I actually had a
1: similar situation this weekend. Oh. (laughs) so someone had given, um, and I'm not going to name names, but uh, I had come into about uh, several hundred dollars, over 500, less than a thousand. Let's leave it at that. And um, so I'm like, well, I really don't want this money just sitting in a cupboard in my house, and I'm going to be in Cleveland for the weekend, and so. I'll just take this money and put it in my wallet, and obviously a, a different order of magnitude than what you're talking to. But my wife, when I told her I had this money in my wallet, she's like freaking out. And I, to her defense, it is probably because I am notorious for leaving my wallet places and losing my keys. Like for Christmas, I got a keychain that is like got the big giant hotel, uh, you know, handle on it. you know that's bigger than your hand and on it is inscribed i will probably lose this too (laughs) (laughs) and so that's that is why she probably was a little nervous about it but i'm like oh yeah dude just go put it in an atm and she was like freaking out about this and i'm like it's not that big of a deal we just go to the bank and deposit it and she's just i don't know some people can deal with cash i've dealt with cash before i've had you know, a $2,000 drawer at work that I had to be responsible for. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like the other side of that is everybody should have a job at some point in their life where they have to handle money. Um, yeah, because it does give you a bit of respect for it. I think the worst, my job ever, or my drawer was 20 bucks over once and I was just mortified by it. Um, and it, which is funny because I was like, literally, I had felt bad because I probably shortchanged somebody. Um, mm, you yeah. know, they no, probably gave me a hundred. Sorry.
2: No, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh but
1: it was just, you know, everybody should do that at at one point. It it makes you a little more comfortable about around money. But uh, also, you know, it it is amazing that there is a three percent surcharge on everything. And it's all the credit card companies.
2: But, yeah, I didn't know it's all the way up to three. But well, uh, Amex is
1: brutal. Amex mm-hmm. is the one that nobody wants to take because I think it is three percent. I mean, I think there's a sliding scale, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely brutal. But the other side of that is it's like still cheaper than dealing with security for tons and tons of cash. So it's weird. Yeah, we yeah. live in a weird society.
2: And, well, I mean the credit card companies fleeced us when they started offering all these points and stuff. Oh yeah. And in the background they were up in the, the, the rates. So rates, yeah. <laughs> Well yeah. not well not just that, but the like the surcharge rates.
1: Oh the surcharge rates and the yeah, service
2: because, fees and the yeah. Because yeah, basically as people well, as people moved away from cash, you know, all these businesses to, to stay in business, you've got to accept credit cards oh
1: yeah everybody and, takes credit cards they got the little thing you plug into your iphone now
2: yeah and so over the years the credit card companies charge more and more there mm-hmm. and so then the you know the companies are gonna pass that on to you as the consumer but then the credit card companies make you think you're getting some great deal by getting yeah. like one percent cash back it's like really you're just like basically all of us are paying yeah. Well, and 3%. all
1: they want you to do—they're making their money on that. Of they know that, hey, such a percentage of you are going to not do this and then pay our exorbitant interest rates and not pay oh, this off yeah. every month, and then
2: yeah, yeah, don't ever do that. Anyone that's somehow still listening, don't keep a balance <laughs> on your credit card. Yeah. Well, not all of us
1: were voted
2: most realistic, Tom. <laughs> I feel like we should just end the pod right now. <laughs>
1: Oh man. So yeah, that was that was a good talk. It 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 picked me up a little bit. Although I will say I I am more of a romantic than you. I got to uh um I don't know. Any any parting thoughts on the Cavs? I mean, I feel like we have nothing more to say right now. I mean, they'll be better next game probably. They won't be chucking up so many shots. Um you know, the the growing wisdom in my wisdom is that Kevin Love is on the Cavs at least through the end of the year, because nobody wants to pay that salary right now for a guy that can't put his hands up on defense.
2: Yeah. Um, And it's an injury. Like his defense is
1: worse right now than it was before he got to the Cavs. And I know part of it is he just doesn't want to get hurt. Like he's playing soft because he doesn't want to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, Before he can be moved to a team that isn't run by six foot one, twenty one 21 year olds. But yeah, it's 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 a rough he's having a rough go of it. So uh yeah. but I don't think he'll get moved. I think Tristan Thompson's probably gone. Um I don't know about John Henson. Um I think he might be a bit of too much of an injury risk, but
2: mm.
1: yeah. It's hard to say. Um I'm yeah, it it it's been a rough season, for sure. It's this was this was a rough last three games podcast getting a little long in the tooth. Want to probably wrap it up here, but yeah, Cavs will, we'll, we'll kind of take a wait and see, you know, I'm going to take the Cavs attitude and not get too up or too down about this last loss. And I, you know, the other thing I realize that I have to keep telling myself is the Cavs were literally designed to be this bad because yep. they don't want to give up. They don't want to be better than 10th worst. So, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but, um, that's the way it is. So
2: Yeah, they they can't in my opinion, they can't really rebuild until they kind of cycle through Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson.
1: Well, at least yeah, probably not. Um, so, but also the other side of that is that you know, if for actual winning basketball, two six one players you can't play any defense is not sustainable as a backcourt. So um but yeah. anyway. Anything you want to pitch.
2: Hmm Uh what do I wanna pitch.
1: Um So while you pitch this, talk for a minute, because
2: I gotta go pull something I said on the counter. So Okay, okay. So what do I wanna pitch. Um What have I been watching or not watching? Oh I know what I wanna pitch, Nate! Oh my gosh Okay. If you have kids like young kids, you probably have heard of Coco Melon, which is on YouTube, just like it sounds. C O C O Melon. It's like a children's nursery rhyme channel, and it is completely, and it's like the greatest thing that's ever happened to our family from a like kids' entertainment perspective. The videos are awesome. The, the nursery rhymes are cute. The videos are. Really cool 3D, but not like overly stimulating. Anyway, um, I was watching Coco Melon with my kids and they had a basketball themed. That's the name of the
1: channel. Coco Melon.
2: Coco Melon. They had a basketball themed one and you apps. I'll I'll give you a link. You absolutely have to watch this. It is like the funniest thing I've ever seen. Very clearly the creators of Coco Melon are modern like NBA basketball fans. Because some of the moves that these characters and animals start pulling off are downright hilarious. So I will bury the lead. And at one point, the the, the song is like explaining basically box score stats. So it talks about like passing, <coughs> it talks about shooting, it talks about blocking, it talks about rebounding and that's like each verse of the song is like a and, new and
1: you're like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen like i've tried to explain these things to my
2: children that kind no, of thing. no 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 i'm oh. just watching and i'm not really expecting much of anything they get to shooting the dad is at the top of the key and the pig is deed up against the dad the dad <laughs> does like a double crossover step back the pig breaks his ankles and falls down. They make a sound effect of the pig falling. The dad stares down the pig and waits. And then he drains a three and he holds his finger up as the ball's in the air. I I was at Christmas at my in-laws. I absolutely started dying. I ran over to my wife's cousin's husband who played basketball in Poland. I was like, Derek, you have got to watch this. I rewinded it. He started dying. He's like, he broke the pig's ankles. I mean, and it just—I mean, that was LeBron the high James. Watermark. You was
1: a baller, but Piggy Butler is your father,
2: <laughs> exactly. And then the—I mean, yeah, and and the and the jerseys that they wore—it were called the Melon Ballers, and Ballers was with a Z at the end, and it was just. Then they get into blocks, and some of these rejections are straight, you know, disrespectful. I will send it to you. It was the last thing I expected to see out of children's nursery rhymes. Um, so clearly the writers are basketball fans and they have a sense of humor because this was just absolutely incredible. So that's what I'm pitching. Coco Melon basketball nursery rhyme. On so YouTube. that is fantastic. That is fantastic.
1: I will I will see if I can find that online at all. So, I got a few things to pitch, so I'm going to try and get through them really quick. Uh, First thing I'm going to pitch is we had a reader, a commenter that uh, was kind enough to send us a, uh, or send me an offer to anyone who wrote for the staff, and a couple people hopefully took him up on it. uh, His debut novel, uh, There Seemed a River by Brian David Sinadir, C A N A D C I N A D R I have not got a chance to read it yet uh because it got delivered while I was in Cleveland over the re- over the weekend and so it's been sitting on my front porch since then as as Amazon packages will do Um, but I'm super excited to see it, to read it. So There Seemed a River by Brian David Sinadier. And while I'm pitching books by people I know, I will also pitch a book called Sketch uh The Edge of Every Day, Sketches of Schizophrenia by my high school classmate, uh, Marin Sardi. So uh there there's that. Uh. So uh and it's a really cool book about, uh, growing up in Anchorage with a, Anchorage, Alaska with a schizophrenic mother and a schizophrenic brother. So, uh, it, oh. and I've, I've read parts of it and it's, it's, I haven't finished it, but it's, it's really amazing. Um, and then the second thing after pitching those two books, uh, is I'm going to pitch the city of Cleveland, uh, where I was from Thursday morning until Monday morning on a long Martin Luther King junior weekend um had a fantastic time with my kids at the rock hall on friday if you haven't been to the rock hall lately and you like music it is amazing go on a weekday when there's not a ton of people there it is so cool what they do there so they have unbelievable exhibits now they have like every famous guitar like 30 famous guitars bruce springsteen's guitar bob dylan's guitar uh John Mellencamp, Tom Morello's guitar. I mean, all these famous guitars, uh, Clarence Clemens, saxophone, like 30, like 100 different amazing musical instruments. It's called um, the Tools of Rock or something like that. I can't look it up because every time I try and look something up on my computer right now, the podcast crashes. But it's really incredible. But the absolute coolest part... Uh, on top of that and all the costumes and all the just memorabilia they have downstairs and they've been changing it a lot more often than they used to. So if you have been like within the last if you, it's been a couple of years since you went, it's totally different now. But what they have now is amazing. So they have this place called the garage and you go to the garage and you can literally play any rock instrument you want. You can play a bass, you can play a keyboard, you can play guitar, you can play drums. They have a little video that tells you how to play. They have like three or four different instruments. Someone will come over and tune it up for you. Um, it's really amazing. And the even cooler thing that my daughter's got to do is they literally have a live band that has uh, probably about a 100 different rock songs by artists. Probably more than a hundred that are in the rock hall and they will sit and they will play the song for you and you can sit in on any <coughs> instrument, the drums, the bass, the guitar or sing and they will play that song with you. So my oldest daughter got to sing Creep by Radiohead, which is the only <laughs> Radiohead song they got, they had, um, with a live band and it sounded amazing. And then my younger daughter was so jealous that I had to set to, and, and this is with the price of admission. There was no additional cost for this or anything. I mean, it's not, it's about 30, I think it was 28 for students to get in there. Um, but we were there for six hours. So it was, it was totally worth it. Um, my younger daughter and her did two ABBA songs. They did Mama Mia and, uh, yeah. uh, what was the other one? Uh, Mamma Mia and I can't even remember the other one uh, Dancing Queen they did Mamma Mia and Dancing Queen so mm-hmm. I mean the rock hall was amazing uh, just if you haven't been it, it it is an absolute gem they do an amazing job there I was super blown away by how good it was I mean that's pretty damn impressive right Tom yeah yeah I mean that you can't put a price on an experience like that so I was totally blown away you can make your own rock band merch you can design your logo and print out a sticker. So I, I designed nice. my, a sticker for my cycling club, the Wards of Irony. Um, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and my, uh, and also made a couple Citizen Dick, uh, stickers, which is the fictional Pearl Jam band from the movie Singles. Anyway, that's an, another obscure reference. So, <laughs> and then I'm going to go through some of the awesome restaurants that I ate in in Cleveland this weekend because we kind of took a culinary tour of Cleveland over the week. So, went to the West Side Market the one day. That was really good. Kind of going downhill a little bit, but still has some amazing stuff hmm. in there, the, the How so? Well, there's not as many people there anymore. Like Maha mm. Falafel has moved into Dave's Grocery, uh, which mm. is in Ohio City. And so somebody who lives in Cleveland told me that part of the problem is, is the city is running it. And once they started charging for parking, a lot of their traffic went down. So it wasn't sustainable for some of the businesses to stay in there. Mm. So they they kind of want Cleveland to not be running it anymore. So that was mm. one of the things. Uh There's not as much produce and stuff in there. Uh, as there used to be. And I think part of that's probably grocery store competition as well. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to compete with the Aldi's and Trader Joe's of the worlds. And I went to Trader Joe's while I was up there in Trader Joe's awesome store. Um, but Friday night, we went to Beer Market, which is fantastic. Uh, one of my favorite places in Cleveland, really good beer. The food was pretty darn good. Um, and then Thursday night, I went to a place called the Black Pig, which both <clears throat> specializes in locally grown pork uh, and had their nice. tasting menu. And the food was a, a, just really good. Um, Friday night or uh, Saturday night, we went to the Pig and Whiskey, um, <laughs> which was a lot... Of, or no, uh, Chicken and Whiskey, which is a fried chicken and whiskey place. And that was a lot of fun. Their cocktails are really good. Uh, and then we went to Porco Tiki Lounge, which is between Ohio City and Tremont, and just a really cool atmosphere and a lot of really fancy uh, tropical drinks. Um, and we spent far too money, much money and got far too drunk. And uh, then Saturday um, or Sunday night, we went to the best restaurant I thought we went to, which was the Flying Fig, uh, which is also in Ohio City and just really, really good food. So, uh, that, that is my, my pitch for the city of Cleveland. Um, and Cleveland. Yeah. And also I will pitch the board game, uh, Arabian nights, which is a really fun kind of adventure board game, um, where you get to have a lot of crazy adventures and possibly, all sorts of crazy things might happen. You might become crippled. You might, uh, have to go on a pilgrimage for Allah. You might, uh, ha- end up having, uh, your sex changed by a genie. So it's a fun board game. So <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. So lots of fun stuff and, uh, and, and go calves. This was a lot of fun. And hopefully our next Cavs game is, uh, is more bonding and more fun mm-hmm. than this last one was. So yeah. And, All uh, right. Thank you, Tom. Good night and uh Good night, do, and stay real keep it realistic keep it real i will
2: i will <laughs> and go calves go calves uh, bob borg
1: thank you for listening to Cavs the blogs podcast check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger there's a fire
0: at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place